The past few Mishnayas discussed the writing of the parchment and placing the parchment in the water for the Soto to drink that water. And now the Mishnah is going to discuss the Korban Mincha, the Korban of flour, which was offered up. And in the next Mishnah we're going to have a dis- discussion, a Machlokas, as to which one came first. Would they bring the carbon and then she would drink the water? Or would she drink the water and then they would bring the carbon? But firstly, the Mishnah tells us that which we're going to understand is talking about the koyen. The koyen would take her flower from the Egyptian basket. As we learned earlier on, she had been carrying the flower in order to tire her out so that she becomes more stressed and is more willing to confess. So the koyen would take the flower and transfer the flower from there, the and put it into one of the Besamikdosh's utensils, which was used for the actual service of the Besamikdosh. And as soon as the flower enters into that utensil, the flower itself becomes sanctified with the sanctity of the utensil itself, and now it is fit for being brought on the Mizbeach. Now once the flower is in this utensil, yoda, he places the utensil back into the Soto's hands, and this time it's not for the sake of tiring her out, rather it is for the sake of Tanufa. Tanufa is a process which was done with certain karbanais. In general, it wasn't done with a karmincha. However, regarding a karmincha of a saita, the Torah explicitly says that it should be done. Tanufa is when parts of the animal or whatever is being brought on the Mizbeach is shaken around in different directions. The person bringing the korban together with the koyen would move it away from them and back towards them and up and down. The koyen would place his hands underneath the soto's hands which are holding the utensil and he would do tunufa together with the soto. So heinef vehigish he would do the tunufa and once he had done that he would do hagosha. Hagosha just refers to simply moving it towards the corner of the Mizbeach, to be precise, the southwestern corner of the Mizbeach. And once the cone was standing over there, Komatz, he would do Kmitza. Kmitza is when he takes a handful of flour, but the truth is it wasn't a full handful. It was a handful of three fingers. The three middle fingers, he would use them to take a scoop of flour, and whatever would fit in between the fingers and his palm, that is the amount of flour which he would take the hiktir, he would do haktara, that's when he actually burns the flour on the mizbeach, vasha'ar, and the rest of the flour which is remaining, nechla kranim, is eaten by the kranim who are serving the mesamikdosh at that time. And that is the law when it comes to all korbanes mincha. Now, according to the Chachomim, Mashka, the Kohen would give her the water to drink first, the and then he would offer her Korban. And that's really like the Mishnah is discussed it in that order. On the other hand, Rabbi Shimon says, the Kohen would first bring her Korban Mincha, and then he would give her the water to drink. Shanem, as the Pazuk says, the Achar, and after that, he would give the water to the woman to drink. However, Shimon agrees that in Hishka, if he did give her the water to drink, and then he offered her carbon mincha, kashira, the carbon is still valid. And the reason for the machlokes between Shimon and the Chachomim is just based on how to read the Psukim. There seems to be a contradiction as to what order it should be done, and each one learns the Psukim in a slightly different way as to which order things should be done ideally. However, everybody agrees that pretty evident once it is done, it is valid regardless of the order. Mr. Gimel, actually, in the Chakar Megillah, Omra, Eni Shaysa. 
if the Saita said that I'm not, I'm not going to drink the water, and she said this before the parchment was dissolved, before the writing had come off the parchment once it, once it was added to the water. She is not forced to drink it. However, if she, does, if, he, if she refuses to do so, then she'll have to be divorced from her husband. She'll re- lose her right to the kasuba. But she can take that option, and really lots of what we've discussed so far is to try and convince her to take that option. Meaning we've been trying to convince her to confess. But this is also a good option because we don't want the writing on the parchment to be dissolved. So quickly they would take the parchment out of the water so that it wouldn't be dissolved. And then Megillos on Ignezes, her Megillah is hidden or buried, it's put in Geniza. Since it's got Hashem's name on it, it can't just be thrown away. And regarding the Korban Mincha, when Chosm is Pazeras al-Hadeshen, her Korban Mincha would be spread and burnt in the Beis Hadeshen, which was the area of the Beis HaMikdosh, where Korbanas which became invalidated were burnt. It has to be burnt there because the Korban Mincha already became sanctified. It just can't be brought as a regular Korban Mincha anymore. And Mishnah adds that the Amy Glossic Sher Lahashkis Acheres, her Megillah, the parchment with the Pesukim written on, is not valid to use for a different Saita when we're giving a uh, different soita the water to drink. And this is learned from the Pasuk, which says, The Kohen will do this for her, implying that it has to be done for that particular soita. And because this Megillah will not be able to use it again, it therefore has to be thrown away, but it cannot be thrown away in a dishonorable way. Rather, it should be put in Geniza in a respectable fashion. Now, what happens once the Megillah has been erased? The writing on the parchment has indeed been erased already. And finally, after all we've tried to make her confess until now, only now, finally, she says, she says that I am impure. I confess to having had illegal relations. Even at this stage, we don't force her to drink the water, because really the main function of the water is just to test whether she is guilty or not. But now that she has confessed, there is no need to drink the water. And the water is poured out. The water itself is not considered to be something which needs to be respected properly, it can just be thrown out in a regular way. And a Mincha again would be spread out and burnt on the Beis Hadeshen, which is where all invalidated Karbanos were burnt. What happens if if the writing on the parchment was erased and then she said, I'm not going to drink? She didn't confess that she was guilty, she just said, I'm refusing to drink. So we don't take this refusal to drink as an indication that she's confessing to be guilty. Rather, we view it as if she's just scared to drink it. But now she needs to drink it. The name of Hashem has already been erased. She has caused that chil Hashem already. And since she is not confessing, she does need to drink the water in order that we can ascertain whether she had illegal relations. We force her to drink it against her will. This is also hinted to in the Psukim, where the Pasuk repeats the Hishkoi Saisha. The Hishkos Amaim, it repeats the fact that you should give her the water to drink. And we learn from there that there are certain situations where she would be forced to drink the water, although in general she does it out of her own will. In a case where she's already caused the Chil Lashem, and she's still not confessing, she would be forced to drink the water. Mishra Dalid, if indeed this woman is guilty of having committed adultery, then in Aspekas Lishtois she doesn't manage to drink all of the water at Shepanel Marikais before her face turns greenish, and her eyes bulge out, she becomes full of veins which protrude outwards, and the effects of the curse become come immediately. And the people who are present there say, Take her out, take her out, so that she will not make the courtyard of the Besamikdosh Tomei. 
Now the truth is, even if even if she were to die there, that wouldn't be such a problem because she is standing right now in the Ezus Nashim outside of the main courtyard of the Mishamikdash, and in mid Raisa, it is not necessarily a problem for somebody who is Tommy from a dead body to be where she is right now. mid is forbidden, but the truth is there is a bigger concern over here, and that is that as she is going through this very stressful and painful ordeal, certain substances might come out of her body which would make her Tommy as a Nidah. And one who is a Nidah is forbidden to be in the Beis HaMikdash, even in the area where she is. And therefore, they need to take her out of there as quickly as they can, so that she will not become a nidah in the Beisamic Dosh where she is right now. It should be noted that this Mishnah only goes according to the opinion that holds that the Korban Mincha was offered up before she drank the water. But if she drank the water before the Korban Mincha was brought, then the punishment and curse wouldn't start yet until the Korban Mincha was offered up. So this Mishnah is going according to the opinion that first they would offer up the Korban, the Korban and then she would drink the water. Says the Mishnah, if this woman has a particular merit, and the Gemara explains we're talking about a merit of Torah, that she supported her husband or her children's Torah, she helped them to have the ability to learn, then the merit would suspend her punishment, and her punishment would be delayed. The effect wouldn't be as immediate as we just described, and depending on how much merit she has, yes, the Chus Achas. The merit could delay the punishment for one year, yes, it could delay it for two years, yes, the merit could delay it for three years. But whatever happens, she will, at the end of the day, once that time is over, she will die the same death as a Saita. We can't remember Ben Azai, but Azai said from here that because of this, a man is obligated to teach his daughter Torah and that she not be totally ignorant, she'im tishter, so that if she ends up drinking the water of a saita, and she herself knows that she is guilty, and she'll drink the water, and nothing will happen. And because she will be ignorant, she won't know about the laws of saita or anything, so she'll think that the Torah is chas not necessarily correct about everything. The Torah says that as soon as she drinks it, she shall bloat up and die immediately, and she's not dying immediately. And there's a concern that she might make a mockery out of the water which her saita drinks, and therefore there's been Azai who should teach her things, so that she knows that that is not the reason. Rather, Teya, she will know, she has a chus that it's really the merit which she has from Torah, which is suspending and delaying her punishment. However, Beliezer and Beliezer says that is not the case and it's forbidden to teach one's daughter Torah because anybody who teaches his daughter Torah it's as if he is teaching her to behave in a immodest and more provoking manner because she might use the Torah in order to attract men to her, in order to impress people and it could lead to immorality. It should be noted that the Ramam writes that this is only regarding Torah women should learn. They're not commanded to, but it's a good thing that they learn it. But one shouldn't teach their daughter Tersh Balper because the deep thinking and that particular type of thinking which is necessary for understanding the depth of Tersh Balper that is more wired into the male brain. And if women were to learn it, then they might learn it on too much of a superficial level and this will lead to misinterpretations. Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Yeshua adds, Rabbi Yeshua is explaining what Rabbi Yezra is saying, that a regular woman would prefer to have one kav, a kav is a measurement a volume of a solid, they prefer to have one cove of food, metiflus, but be able to have lots of relations, metishokabin, precious, 
than to have nine cav but not have relations with a man. The point being that since there is a large concern for immorality to the extent that a woman has a much larger desire for having relations than she has a desire for food and sustenance, because of that concern one shouldn't teach their daughter Torah. And again we're talking about Torah Balpeh specifically. Who Omer used to say Chosid Shoiteh a pious fool, and the Gemara gives an example of somebody who sees a woman drowning, but he's too frum, as it were, to go and save her from drowning, because it's a woman. The Rosha Orum, or somebody who is wicked in a cunning way, and he hides his wickedness. The Gemara explains, it gives an example of somebody who constantly tells other people to be strict regarding laws, but he himself is much more lenient. The Isha Prusha, a woman who abstains and separates herself from worldly pleasures, and this was done by witches, people who practice witchcraft, and finally Omakis Prushin, injuries which come about from people who, so to speak, separate from this world. The Gemara gives an example of somebody who closes his eyes when he is going through the street and he ends up tripping on things and injuring himself and he claims that he is doing it in order not to see women. But the common factor with all of these four things is that what he is doing has much more of an effect on the chitsonius, on the externality that he appears to be from. And he appears to be totally righteous but internally, they are not necessarily on that level. And the Mishra says that These people destroy the world. If their internal self does not reflect their external actions, then the Mishra goes so far as to say that they are considered to be destroying the world.